Today, again, we're looking at Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, as today we look at Jesus is the mighty God. Starting in verse 6, it says once again, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over its kingdom to establish and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, he is our mighty God. There in that little manger lay the mighty God of heaven and earth. You know, the Hebrew there says El Gibor, very similar to the name of Ezekiel, which has and carries with it in the Hebrew the idea of God will be my strength. In fact, if we take the Hebrew and supply the verb there, we would see God is a mighty warrior in the very name. And of course, it carries with us, with it, that very connotation. When we say mighty God, it is God is a mighty warrior. So once again, laying in that manger was the mighty God of heaven and earth. We see and read with me on the screen here, Psalms 24, verses 1 through 2, and also 7 through 8. It says this, the earth is the Lord and all the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. For he has founded, he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Lift up your heads, verse 7. Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. You see all of these titles, all of these descriptions, all of these words that describe that mighty God, the Messiah, is found in Jesus Christ. He is the mighty God. Folks, look at this on the screen. Write this down. One main point for today is this. Jesus is the God. Jesus is, Jesus is God, the mighty warrior who fights the battles of sin and darkness, not only in the world, but in your life and mine. Jesus, Jesus is God, the mighty warrior who fights those battles of sin and darkness. You see, and when we say he is the mighty warrior, he is not like so many can of of earthly things, of earthly stuff, just mere men and mortals. He's not full of false bravado, but he is full of strength. You see, the limitless God stepped out of heaven and stepped into limited form and what could be more limited than a little child who needed to be changed, who needed to be rocked, who needed to be cared for as any other little child. So again, the strength of Jesus Christ isn't false bravado, but it's true strength. Not only that, but as he grew in wisdom and years of age, we see that he took on that sort of religious establishment of his day the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all their false ways of worshiping God and their selfishness and their backwardness, he met them head on 
to the detriment of his own life. But ultimately, as he went to the cross, it was his life that he gave up himself. You see, again, not false bravado, but true strength of the true mighty warrior. He hung there willingly upon the cross, even though his executioners and his torturers was simply the mere word of his mouth or the snap of his fingers would have ceased to exist. But yet he hung there upon the cross willingly that he would pay for your sin and for mine. You see, again, this Jesus that was there in the manger one day to go to the cross, he was God. He was the mighty God. This Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 tell us this. Read with me and take a look on the screen here. He is the image. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, all things were created through him and for him. He, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, He spoke this world. He created this world. He spoke it into existence. And more so than that, as we see in verse 17, and He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. All of this world, all of the complexities that we see, all of those things that we take for granted, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, all of these things, the fact that the very earth that we rotate upon is held in perfect orbit and axis, all of these things that we take for granted, were it not for His former and current faithfulness, all that we would know would cease to exist. He not only created it, but He holds it all together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is the mighty God that we serve. This is the one, again, that lay there wriggling like any other baby in the manger in a feed trough. It was the mighty God of heaven and earth. The immeasurable God. The immeasurable God who holds the whole world in his hands. He came to us. I love this quote by Henry Law. It says this, what's self-denial? What's self-abasement? What's self-emptying? He he whom no infinitudes can hold is contained within an infant's age and an infant's form. Can it be that the great I am that I am shrinks into our flesh? That's exactly what happened. The one who knew no limits was again limited by human form. Not only was he God, but again, as we see specifically today, he was the mighty warrior. As we see throughout the book of Exodus, our last sermon series, he was the mighty warrior of Israel. And that mighty warrior of Israel was the same one who went to the cross. Great Chuck Twindall says this as well, Emmanuel, God with us, he who resided in heaven, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, willingly descended into this world. He breathed our air, felt our pain, knew our sorrows, and died for our sins. He's the mighty warrior. 
So why does it matter? Why does it matter that he is the mighty warrior, that he is our mighty warrior? You know, when we feel alone, when we feel like we're in the midst of the battle of sin and darkness, we do not stand alone. He fights with us and for us. In the midst of what we know as believers in Jesus Christ as spiritual warfare, when the battle has already been won by the Lord for our souls, the battle is still raging by the enemy, Satan, for our effectiveness. And so when we find ourselves in the midst of spiritual warfare as the enemy tries to make us ineffective to be on mission for the gospel, we find ourselves in that spiritual warfare. And God says he is the mighty warrior who pulls down our strongholds. But here's the thing. He often calls us to fight with him in ways that are not conventional to our world. I just think of when someone has done us wrong. What does the world say? Give them one back. But Jesus says, no, you shall forgive. That's just one of the examples of when he is the mighty warrior in our lives. He calls us to fight, but also always calls us and oftentimes calls us to fight in very unconventional ways of this world. But yet he is the mighty warrior. He is the one that is full of power. He is the one that is meek, not weak. The one, as we see that description of what it means in the Bible, as a controlled power and aggression, almost like a horse that is bridled. He has incredible power, but yet it's under control because of his righteousness and his justice. He's the one that fights before us. But not only that, God definitely cares, and he certainly cares for all of the issues and the battles of our life, the difficulties of our life. He cares for those things intimately. That's one of the great wonders of heaven, that the one who spoke this world into existence cares deeply for the things that you're you're dealing with day by day. So don't hear me wrong in this. Don't let it be dismissive of those things in your life. Certainly not. But we must come alongside him and fight his battles. You know, I think one of the problems and difficulties that we often see in this type of language of God as a mighty warrior is not the problem that we see in scripture but how we might apply it oftentimes and understandably because of some of the difficulty and brokenness and darkness in our lives sometimes self-inflicted we can see these sort of mighty warrior passes passages as we being the center of it we're the focus God is fighting for the battles oftentimes we create them on our own And certainly God cares for those things in our life, but we must have perspective. We must have perspective and come alongside him and fight the eternal battles, those battles that have eternal significance for souls. Because here's the thing, when we come alongside him and fight his battles, those battles of our life begin to look like the little skirmishes of just living. Come alongside him and fight in his battles for eternal significance. Not only that, but we fight for these battles. We fight these, these battles of eternal significance alongside him as he is mighty God in a world that is growing increasingly hostile to our message. But we can't lose heart because God is the mighty warrior. So why do we fight? Why do we fight these battles of eternal significance in the midst of a world, oftentimes, that is becoming increasingly hostile to the message? Do we fight just to say that we won? Do we fight just to score points? 
Do we fight just to win an argument? To own someone on social media? To say that we got the upper hand? Do we fight these battles for that? No. We fight alongside the mighty warrior of heaven with an eternal perspective. We fight because people are dying and going to hell. We fight in the midst alongside a mighty warrior for things of eternal significance. We fight for hearts and minds because these people are missing a relationship with their creator. They are dying and they are drinking the Kool-Aid of the world. They have false ideas and false hopes. And they are dying, spending eternity separated from their God. God is a mighty warrior. Once again, Jesus is the mighty warrior who fights those battles of sin and darkness. See, here's the thing. As we think about our mighty God who fights, our mighty God who comes alongside to win the hearts and the minds of the world that are mired in sin and darkness. Again, he doesn't do it from a distance, but he is the one who came to us. Watch this video now as we look and we think about this, that God became flesh and he came to us. invite the band back to the stage now as we do as they're coming let us think about that very word that you saw there the very phrase at the end God became flesh and dwelt among us it wasn't some great parlor trick of of eternity but it was for us it was for his glory and it was for us that we might be saved from our sin 
You see, the Bible tells us again that all of us, even though we're created in the image of that very God, we're separated from Him because of our sin. You see, when sin enters our life, we are separated from a holy and just and righteous God. The Bible also tells us there's absolutely nothing we can do to save ourselves. You cannot possibly be a good enough person. That's what we immediately think of. We think of we have to do something. We have to do something to save ourselves. We have to do something that maybe this God will smile down upon us, but we can't. There's nothing that we can do. But God, in his amazing love for us, he came to us. God became flesh, the person of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that he might live that sinless life. Ultimately, that he might pour out upon us incredible wisdom. And that ultimately, he would go to the cross and die for your sin and for mine. As we think about the gift giving around this time of year, the greatest gift that ever was given was Jesus Christ giving his life for your sin and for mine. See, and he provides salvation for us. The problem that we all have of separated from God, there's a free gift provided for you that you might be saved, you might be forgiven, you might be cleansed, you might spend eternity in heaven with him. But just as we see those gifts around the tree, this time of the year, they stay under that tree unless we receive them. Will you receive the free gift of salvation that God has extended to you through the person of Jesus Christ? Here in a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And as we do during that time of response, if you know you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to come and find me and others there in the back. And we'd love to speak with you about that very thing. Maybe you're here today, you know Christ as your Savior, but you've not yet been baptized just as we saw today. As Pastor Josh said, that is one of those first amazing times that we have an opportunity to say, I'm identified with Christ. Jesus has changed my life. So what about you? Have you been baptized? Come and find us there in the back as well if, if you need to be baptized. Maybe the Lord is leading you to become a member of this church. Come and find us. and We'd love to have that conversation with you as well. But again, if you're here today and you have not accepted that free gift of salvation extended to you, may today be the day of that very salvation. As we stand and we sing, you respond.